Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. While you're standing, let's read our text this morning. How many is unfroze? Are we the frozen chosen? Are we the thawed eagles of God? Amen. I thought I was a frozen chosen there for a little while. I had to kick my... How many knows that heat pumps are a good source of heat as long as there's any heat in the air? But when there's no heat in the air, guess what you get? Cold air. So I had to break down and pinch the old miser eagle a quarter in my pocket. Had to flip it over to emergency heat. And I'm praying that my light bill is not real high. But I imagine this month's light bill here, after one day, we'll be, probably be over $1,000 for the light bill here. Because we're on special heat here. <laughs> Amen. We ought to be able to warm the place up by our spirit, right? We greet everyone on live stream this morning by basically giving you the notes. You know what I'm going to say and do next because you've probably already read the notes. I put in a different sermon than I got planned because basically a, the next week's sermon doesn't have an effect because you know what I'm going to say before I say it. So this week you already know what I'm going to say, so let's read the text. And we're looking at the subject, Jesus the prophet. And I'm going to read you quotes where it's going to sound like the prophet of God disagrees with what we're absolutely saying. I found one thing in 35, almost 40 years of studying the message and the scripture together is that with just following the quotes of Brother Branham, which most message people do, you will become unbalanced in the revelation of Jesus Christ because you cannot bring it to a conclusion or a revelation simply by using quotes to prove what you believe. You must understand that you will never understand and know God by this brain up here. You will only learn Christ by the heart. So therefore, I can go to school, I can study, I can memorize, I can quote, I can lecture, I can do everything I want to, but I will never know Christ by my intellect. I'll only know Him by my heart or that soul that come from Him. What we're trying to get across, and very few will believe it, is that you standing here this morning are a manifestation in flesh of the very life of God that created all things and all human beings. You are a product of that life called God in you right now. And I'm calling everyone a believer. And we're, we're, most people, 99 and 9 tenths of the population of humanity, will never accept and embrace the complete revelation and truth of Almighty God. But we pray that we'll have a heart to open up and to be learned. For 25 or 30 years, now I don't mean to keep you standing, but just stand a little while. I have taught doctrine. I have told you I'm teaching doctrine. And for 25 or 30 years, we have been preaching doctrine, which is a passive faith. The only thing required of you to preach doctrine is to sit and listen, be patient, Attentive, 
Hopefully you'll read, study, meditate at home, but it requires no action from you except the meditation and the faculties of the mind trying to absorb what the Word really teaches. That phase must stop because the revelation of Jesus Christ has now been deposited in you, and we as sons and daughters of God, to finish the plan, must move into an active faith, which an active faith means believing is acting. We say, we believe this, we believe, we believe, we believe. I went through all the doctrine. We believe, we believe, believe. As a minister, I should never encourage you to just believe. Although I can read your scripture, those these signs will follow those that believe. Don't believe me. All right. My job as a minister is to take the word and encourage you to act upon the word. Because until you act upon the word, and the word is basically who you are as sons and daughters of God, you'll never claim the promises or take the authority that God gave his family to possess eternal life. You have eternal life in you right now. There must be some means by which we can use it. Because if a part of you, in you, is God, and all things are possible with God, then there must come an active faith on who we are as basically, I'm going to call it, the Son of Man or the body manifested in flesh. God's whole purpose was to become physical. So God carried out His spiritual plan in the flesh, in physical. So everything that you see in the physical is only what it was in the spiritual now manifested and revealed. You and I are absolutely thoughts and attributes of Almighty God. And I'm taking it in the positive because we know that there's two sources of life. With that in mind, we're looking at Jesus the prophet because what? Until we can identify who Jesus is, we'll never be able to have active, true active faith as sons and daughters of God. The revelation of who Jesus is, is the whole key and the first step to immortality. Okay? So I know it's wearisome on the mind to look at these subjects. Most preachers don't want to preach it because they don't have the answer. You can get your internet. You can run every course you want on who is Jesus. And you'll get 10,000 definitions. But every one of them will tell you, end up, they don't know who he was. Why is the Jewish race against Christianity? Because of who we declared Jesus was. And we declared that he was one of three gods, which is paganism. So, here is the dilemma. Now remember, this is our capstone revelation. This will cause us to be changed, to walk out of here in a rapture, if we're living. If we're dead, it will bring us forth in a resurrection in an immortal body. It is a revelation that we need today for immortality. Amen? So, let's read our text. And then I've got the, uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer, but it's not the Lord's Prayer. It's the prayer that He told us to pray as a means to talking to God. 
And I would like to ask every person in here this morning, and I do this for a reason, there is a power in you speaking the words of God. It will affect you. It will help you. It will cause the soul to increase in knowledge of itself. All right? So when I asked everyone to read it, I would appreciate whether you claim to be a believer or not a believer, read the prayer with us because it is absolutely Jesus' prescription to talking to God. All right. In our text, we go right back to John 5, 25 to 28. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. Watch the titles very carefully. They will hear the voice of the Son of God. And they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son. Now last week we titled your notes, The Son. And I picked up those notes for those that wasn't here this uh, last week and put them also back in these notes this week to bring the thought forward. But we got a new introduction. So we're absolutely looking at the Son who is, was a prophet. Now it's going to go across your mind because 99 and 9 tenths of the people in the world outside of Islam and different religions believe that Jesus was God. They do not believe that God had a son. The key separation of William Branham's message was that God had a son and that revelation would bring to you who you are. You will never understand and know who you are, which is called identity, unless you understand who Jesus was as the Son of God. Are you following? The serpent seed, which is the seed of the serpent, can never know who they are because God hid to their own conscience their identity. Lest any finding you will slay you. If we could have found the serpent seed way back there and killed them all out, we'd want back to the sons of God. That's the reason why the devil is trying to breed out the seeds of God today is why. If he breeds them out, there will be one seed that rules the earth and that serpent seed and he will accomplish that purpose. Because God will take that small remnant out of here and the devil will take over and basically slaughter everything that confesses to be a Christian. All right. So he said, for as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. And hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. Now if you'd like, I would like for each one of you to read out loud in Eunice's what, the, what we call the Lord's Prayer, our Jesus' instruction, talking to God. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. 
We'd like to greet those that are with us on live stream. I think we're averaging about, uh, I would say, close to three to 400 people a Sunday now for quite some time. And I've always encouraged people to attend church. You will not get what you need by sitting at home. And I say that because the Bible said, forsake not the assembling of yourself together. It is not that you will not hear what the preacher says because I'm talking to you in your living room right now. It is not that you won't know because you're looking at the notes that I'm looking at in front of you. So you have a visual and you have a, a physical something in your hand to transmit and communicate the thoughts that we're trying to get across to our hearts today. I understand as being a minister, as I said before, I have guilty of preaching passive faith, which requires no action from you except listening. I know more than anyone else that that has to change. I also know that we will, if we try to change it, we are prone to go back to Pentecost, which is what God come to preach to call us out of, because Pentecost was the last move of God outside of this message and the bride. So there's only one place for us to fall back to, and that would be Pentecost, which has already been proven to be a failure and to be the shuck. There's no life in that message today. The ministry of God as the Holy Spirit baptizer, according to Ephesians, and I put all this in your notes, and I hope that I can verbalize it, but I give you the written statement through a fivefold ministry. The fivefold ministry can only bring you to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it was given to bring every seed of God, every germ, every soul in flesh to the knowledge of who they are as sons and daughters. You were born by your natural parent as a son or daughter of God. The soul, which is a life source, only has two sources. This is the message that is hard to grasp. And it's not hard to understand what's being said. What's hard is to accept it because we have family, friends, and our children involved. And we do not want to accept the fatalism by looking at the deeds or the actions outwardly that our children are living, are doing, because we would have to embrace the fact that they were the wrong seed. Don't do that. There is a key in the message that basically when we, the true sons and daughters of God can exercise the Godhood in them to the place that all things are possible. Now, when I say all things are possible, my question to me is, is it possible for a salvation or a serpent seed to absolutely come to salvation or be saved? The answer normally would be no. But I do find in Hebrews, when you go down through the faith chapter, there is a serpent seed Canaanite in there in the faith chapter as having salvation by being good to Israel. The point being is, when do you become serpent seed? I've said all along in the message, if you become serpent seed when you are born out of your mother's womb, then basically Every child that dies has to be a child of God. 
Would it be fair of God to only bring death to serpent seed before they reach the age of accountability? Our reasoning would say no. Amen. The prophet taught there was a serpent seed, but you become absolutely seed when you reject the Word of God. When a part of you call your soul absolutely rejects salvation, which is basically your identity, when you reject that, then there is a nature that takes over in that position, and he says you'll never be able to hear the Word of God again to bring you to salvation. Therefore, he was absolutely born a serpent seed. Then every child, before it reaches accountability, Brother Bram said, the blood covers it, and they are saved. So therefore, there could not be uh, all serpent seed that reaches accountability for them to be lost. So there's got to be an answer because we know that there's only two seed. Can you say amen? I can preach out of Matthew 13, uh, basically until we basically dry our brains up and whatever more. That Jesus went back to the garden and preached the two seed out of Matthew 13. And he tells you that the field that it was seed was sold in was God's field. And that there's one that sold, was, which was a son of man, and one was sold, was a son of perdition. He brought you right back to serpent seed in the Matthew 13. And Brother Bram picked it up and seated a description to bring the subject back. When you preach serpent seed, as most people teach it, it brings a group of people to fatalism. In other words, there's nothing I can do about it. Which is basically cold-hearted Calvinism which is basically right according to the written word, but Brother Bram said wrong in its attitude and outcome and nature and its actions. Because unless a man acts on the word of God, he cannot activate his true soul in there of what he really is. In other words, he said an in totally insane person wrapped up in a straitjacket could be a predestinated seed of God and the word of God never get to them. So what I want you to eliminate up front is basically everything you see physically that someone's doing or your children's doing, don't get into your mind that they're fatally gone. It is an excuse for you to really have faith in who you are and apply the token to your family. Because we'll pick this up next week where Brother Bam said, basically there is a revelation and when it comes to it, you can claim that revelation for your family. Evidently, we haven't reached it yet because why? Most families in here that's had children past 15 years of age, their children leave church as soon as they get of age. I've watched and dedicated your children, most of them, watched them grow up, and as soon as they graduate, they're gone. As believers, that should not be true. So what is missing between 1 and 18, when at 18, they automatically go haywire and go out here and act like whatever they act like is there anything that basically let's say it this way is there anything that God could do you say oh yes God can do it but you're the God that has to do it God is living in us and he can only produce and talk and act through us amen 
So if Jesus was an intercessor, can we be intercessors? I think so. So what are we going to look at? Now last week we picked up the subject, the sun. This week we want to look and move this title, and I'll preach on the sun, and move the title to Jesus the prophet, because Jesus was a prophet. See, you're so used to him being called God, you don't want to recognize who Jesus was. Jesus was one unique created man. He had his own body, soul, and spirit. If I had a blackboard, I could show you up here. He was a man, uniquely created. How many believe Jesus, the man, had a father? Okay, there. to have a father, you've got to have someone, another man, outside of yourself. Now, most people claim Brother Gregory is preaching two gods. I am not. There are only one God, but there is a one unique physical man, a new creation called the only begotten Son of God. There's only one like him. And he's unique because why? God's plan must be in flesh. Therefore, he had to have a flesh man to deliver us out of what the first man put us into. So therefore, he had to uncross what flesh crossed up. He had to become flesh and uncross it. Every one of us, genetically speaking, was in Adam when God breathed into his nostrils the breath of lives and he became a living soul. We don't want to understand that genetically we were passed by the sexual act down through millions and millions and millions of potential souls of God down to where you're sitting this morning through your father and mother. Genetically speaking, that life stream is a part of God or it's a part of somebody else. Therefore, when you are born, you already have a part of God as your life or you have a life permitted by God. That come from a different source. So last week we looked at the subject of sun. We put the definition of sun up in his what? A son is what? A male child or descendant. I had a minister. I've said it time and time again. He may be listening this morning. Wrote me an email. He does not believe that God had a son. I can talk to most message ministers. And a United Pentecostal minister, Brother Hurd, I've talked to him quite some time, and he's been a friend ever since I've been here. He was sitting out here to one of the craft shows talking to Brother Hurd, and he's saying, well, praise God, we're United Pentecostal. I said, yeah, we follow Brother Branham. I said, yeah, he's understanding that. But he said, at least we know that God, uh, Jesus was his own father. And I said, yeah. <laughs> Just kind of nodding my head. Because I'd heard Brother Branham say, you know what, some people believe that Jesus was his own father, and I never heard anybody say that. Now, the message ministers will not say that. But if they get down and teach it, that's what they're saying. They won't say Jesus was his own father because they know Brother Bram said he wasn't. So I don't say that. But when you ask them how to explain the Godhead, they'll begin to bring it down. They bring it down that Jesus was his own father, one. 
We know that is wrong. And just that point of being wrong will take you out of the rapture. Because we're come to the age now where seed comes to seed, harvest. God is the husbandman. We're the, we're the seed. So the book of Genesis comes all the way over. Now we're over here in Revelation. Every seed is produced after its own kind and come right back to the original seed. That's the reason we see an incarnated Jesus. We see an incarnated Judas. In this hour when you see a, a prophet come down, then you see a pope. There's always the manifestation of two. Two fathers, two spirits, two seed. This should make you rejoice. Because once you really embrace it and something in your heart says amen, then there's nothing that can change you. You cannot change seed. That's the fallacy of Christianity. That you're going to bring a reprobate out here. Everybody's a reprobate. That means you're just something void of God. And you come in and we're going to train you how to be good. You can train a monkey to do certain things. You can train a cat as hard as they are and as stupid as they are to do certain things. Like come at 12 o'clock at the door and go, meow, meow, meow. You can train a horse to do certain things. Like a guy basically when he went and fed the horse, every time he fed the horse, he'd whistle real loud. Then after a while, all he'd do is whistle. They'd run over because they identify feed with whistle. So when the man stole the horse, started galloping off, what did he do? Whistle. Horse reared up, throw the man off, come back to get fed. So you can train Basically, anybody to do anything if they will put a little effort to it. In this hour, we are told by Jesus himself that the trained ones and the real ones will be, look so close together that you can't tell them apart. And he told us, don't try to tell them apart. He told us, do not judge after the outward man. You and I do not have a right to judge by the outward man. You can say, well, I know that's a sin. It, it's a sin to you. Because what you call sin is a sin to you. Amen. Blessed is the man that does not condemn himself in the thing that he allows. You say, you're getting pretty loose. No, I'm getting down to who we are. We must realize, and the only way that you'll ever be able to use the authority given to sons is to understand who you are and what you are. The prophet preached that for 30 years, and we're still here now. So a male child or descendant, any young person spoken of as a child, a term of affection generally, a disciple, a native, or inhabitant, the produce or the product of anything. So when the ministers that do believe that God is one like your finger 
talks about Jesus and calls him the Son of God, and they pray the prayer that we prayed, Our Father which art in heaven, they don't understand what they're saying or they don't believe it one or the other. Because you cannot pray, Our Father which art in heaven, and declare that God never had a son. And if he never had a son, then you and I are not sons. Come on, say amen. It's the truth. If he never had a son, then you and I are not sons. We're only trained animals with a certain amount of religion. Come on now. And the only thing a religion can do is follow instructions. And therefore you grade. If you do good, you're this one. If you do real good, you're this one. If you pray two hours, you're spiritual. If you pray three hours, boy, you're really above measure. And if you don't pray much, you're not very good at all. We would have a hard time seeing David as basically a perfect man. Because David, he really had a problem with women. He loved them women. 500 wives should have done it. But he had to lie, cheat, and steal, and kill a husband to get another one. You say, oh, my Lord, that's a sin. Then here comes Solomon. And here come the lineage of God. We scratch our heads, man, man, all, all that mess, come predestination, come a seed. And two seed of God had a twins, and one of them was of the serpent, and one of them was of God. Whew. That gets pretty rough. It gets pretty simple. I don't have to figure out a theory. My soul has to receive truth. Amen. How many has a desire to be right? Amen. Then you have identified yourself of your destiny, where you're going, because you know where you come from. Amen. Amen. So look, just the title, son. Just the title, son. That's what we're looking at. Speaking of God as Father. The prayer we just read, I put down the prayer we just read, our Father who art in heaven, actually the title Father speaks of one who has produced a male child. Amen. God can be God, but is he a father? He can be a creator. But is he a father? Is he that one, a progenitor, a producer of life? Did he actually, as a physical man, and we're the product of the plan of God here. We're built in the image physically of man. Man has the ability within himself to reproduce. I have a substance, every male has a substance within them. To produce what we call the sperm of God. Every sperma has the ability, if it went to the right port, to produce a child. So basically, I was in my father's loins when he was a young man. And he was his father's loins, and 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 his father's loins, who was Adam. Why do I need the second Adam then? Why do I need Jesus? Because the first man was a living soul. Had the ability to reproduce. 
But due to the fall, it took the second man who become a quickening spirit. Your soul had to be woke up. Born again is no more than the awakening or the quickening of your soul. Abba, Father. In other words, when you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ being paying the price of your fall, and you believe it and identify for the remissions of your sins that you've done in ignorance, the new birth is only the understanding that you was a son of God, and now the Spirit comes and bears witness or wakes you up to who you are. Abba, Father. If you say, Abba, Father, you're absolutely saying a part of you come from God. Can you say amen? amen? That part never sinned. That part cannot fail. That part cannot die. That part cannot perish. That part can do anything God can do. Because what is it? God. It's easier to understand now. Let's call that life. God is life. God is light. God is spirit. No man has ever seen God and lived. All right. You'll say, well, Jesus was God. I'm going to read you a quote where Brother Brown said, Jesus was God. But you've never seen God. Then who did you, if Jesus was God, who did you see? Well, you've seen a man. You're so tall, so-and-so, robe, what one, we got pictures, what more? You've seen a man. John said we handled him. We test the word of life. We sat down and talked with him and eat with him. But Jesus said, touch me. Feel me. Does a spirit have flesh and blood? No, you can't touch spirit. Like a preacher said, well, when Jesus was through by his death, he just evaporated because he didn't need the sacrifice no more. He's gone. He doesn't continue. He's back, right back to the pillar of fire, back to the Holy Ghost. Jesus don't exist no more. Well, I said, he, he told me that he didn't become invisible. He said, touch me to see flesh and bone. It's not spirit. And I said, if you read in Hebrews, it says that he ascended on high to continue. Everybody say continue. He didn't stop. He continued as our mediator and our high priest. And Jesus, the glorified Son of God, man, is sitting on the throne of God right now. As the overcomer, having already accomplished redemption, because God our Father is here to bring us into manifestation. Hallelujah. He said, I'll make a Pentecostal slobber. That sure will. Therefore, the title Father. I'm just using common sense. I'm not smart. Don't claim to be smart. I've asked God to give me wisdom every day and let me learn something. I'm so stupid sometimes I wonder why I even open the Bible and try to read it. But I've got enough common sense, I think, if I call someone Father, then I'm talking to somebody outside of myself. I come out of my Father, but my Father is not me. And I'm not my Father. I'm a separate person. 
having the same life source genetically proven by God as a certain pattern to make you. God knew every one of our genetic patterns before he ever said, let there be. Amen. Hallelujah. You was written in that Lamb's book of life, which is God's own mind, God's own spiritual record. I can't explain it. God's own life code, whatever that may be. You were in there as a code to come forth at a certain time to manifest that part of God. Amen. If we call ourselves sons and daughters of God, we must realize that there's a deity part living in us. And if we basically move to that part, deity, all things are possible to me because I am a son of God. See, we've got to move into active faith. According to a vindicated prophet, when I say vindicated, there's a lot of prophets out here. I went online yesterday, and I looked up after I finished my notes. I looked online. What happened to all the preachers that prophesied Trump would win? So when it kicked over, there's a whole list there. and it, uh, The 12 great leaders who prophesied Trump would win, so I punched on that and looked at it. I've got inquisitive mind. I just looked. Kenneth Copeland was the first one. They said the hyena laugh of Kenneth Copeland, the false prophet. So I clicked the video, one step, two step, three step. And there was Kenneth Copeland behind his pulpit. I think thousands of people was there. And he said, well, they said Biden won. Ha, 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 ha. And he goes, ha, 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 until everybody starts going, ha, ha, ha. And everybody stands up. And they, ha, 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 ten minutes, they, ha, 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 I clicked on his station this morning. He was preaching to five people. False prophet. False prophet. Does that make a difference? Absolutely. So according to a vindicated prophet. Vindicated prophet is different from a prophet. Vindicated prophet is one that is vindicated or backed up by God. With thus saith the Lord and it comes to pass. You will find no prophets today, New Testament prophets, that will come out and say, I have, thus saith the Lord. They don't do it. I had a dream. I went to heaven. One lady, she went to heaven. And she, had, she dreamed, here was Trump running the race. And he was running the race, and all of a sudden, he tripped and fell. And it looked like he's going to lose the race. And here come two young women, picked him up, and carried him across the finish line. Glory to God, he's going to be reelected. Hogwash. My God. And people fall for that. Scream and holler, what are more? If you watch a video on the, uh, what was it, January the 6th, when that, they overrun the White House, did you realize that the, most of them speeches you didn't hear? But if you go over and look at the speech, there was preachers prophesying that Trump was still going to be president and they revved the people up to storm the White House. It was preachers that done it. Because they believed that Trump was righteous and he was going to restore the power back to the church and give us a voice back again. The church will never have a voice again. 
You know why? Because they turned down the voice, come out over my people. It's false anointed ones, and it's going to come out clear as a picture. And when we're left here and when we're gone, it won't be long until we're gone. The prophet says, well, I thought there was going to be a rapture. Who's going to say that? All these prophets that said Trump will win, all these, what more? I thought there's going to be a rapture. All the oneness preachers, all the Trinitarian ones, they're all going to be here. And I believe it'd be people in this message that knows better will be the voice that says there already was one and we missed it. Because when the bride is taken out, a veil is taken off. Are you following me now? There's a veil, there's an anointing on the church that they can't see and understand correctly. But when the bride leaves, that veil will be taken away and they'll understand the Godhead. Because there'll be two prophets revealing God or Jesus to the 144,000. And they'll understand where they missed it. And by that revelation be able to give their life to end the tribulation for their salvation. They will be saved in the end. If we're in that category, that's what we're going to have to go through. I told my wife this morning, come to church. I said, you know what? I study and study. As close as this thing is today... I said, do you realize that me and you could absolutely be serpent seed going to church to preach the message of the hour and read this Bible and tell people about the Word of God? You saw that couldn't happen. It absolutely can. So there's got to be something in me and in you. Because if I sit here and preach to you 30 years and you nod your head for 30 years, I go to hell, I think somebody else is going to go with me. Or either that you didn't believe nothing to start with, one or the other. Why, Brother Greg? Because this is the way God has ordained to communicate Himself and to quicken every seed of God. The seed runs out. Why in the days of Jesus did He want to kill all the babies? Satan was after that seed. How many absolute seed of God was in the days of Noah, which is basically as it's supposed to be in this hour? One. Actually, it was two. Enoch left. Noah was one, and he had, what, seven, eight altogether, and had children mixed up. Everyone else outside of those, let's say, eight that was saved to carry over were serpent seed. That's pretty astounding. Every one of them. And remember, Jesus said, as it was then, so shall it be in the days when the Son of Man is being revealed, which is today. It's not a matter of how wicked people are doing. It's a matter of how few seed of God is left on earth at the time of the resurrection and the rapture. Amen. Very few. According to a prophet, I think we read the quote last week, 
You can put it up there. I'll just highlight it, but I think I won't read it all because of time. Brother Bam plainly tells you that there was two schools of thought that come out of the early church at Nicaea. We all know this. It's a history. And one of them is a Trinitarian dogma of three persons in the Godhead and basically the oneness, which is one. Then Brother Bram said, now watch. They are both wrong. And then he starts with the oneness. He says, Jesus could not be his own father. Okay, now if you take that statement, you've got a father, let's say a man, and you've got a product called a son, and therefore you have two. Now, both of them is not God because you only have one God. So one of them has to be a product called a son that's not this individual right here. You can say, well, Brother Bram said the only difference between father and son was one had a beginning. That's a difference. That's a difference. But not two gods. Get this in your mind. There's only one God. He is the Father of all living. He is life. And what you're going to understand is here the mystery of life is broken down, broken down. If the mystery of iniquity was what? The mystery of life of a serpent seed coming down through time, the trail of the serpent. The mystery of iniquity is the Mystery of the serpent life. The mystery of godliness is the mystery of God life. There's two sources of life that comes down through humanity. People don't want to accept the fact that God reproduces himself through the sex act of absolutely human individuals, but he does. You come into the altar and, and repenting and basically being, becoming a, another person. <laughs> you didn't change nothing except understanding that you always was a son of God. And it's your time to be quickened and come forth. He said, now watch. Read this very carefully. Jesus could not have it be his own father. There'd be, if it was, he said there'd be three gods. It could not work. Because if, because if he's got a father, now there's a question. The minister told me, he said, now what? Jesus never had a son. There's no such thing as a son of God. I said, how can you get that? He said, because Brother Bram said, we don't believe in an eternal son. I said, brother, you're fixed in your one mind. You're fixed that Jesus is God, period. You won't look at nothing else. He didn't believe in an eternal son. What are you t he's telling you that the son of God was not eternal. He had a beginning. You say, why is this important, Brother Greg? It's an importance because it quickens your soul. The first step to immortality, the seventh step. Who does man say, I, the Son of Man, am? There's the first step. You're Moses, you're Jeremiah, you're this, you're that, you're one of the prophets. The answer is very simple, but very deep. Thou art the anointed one. You are the Christ. In our words, you are the Logos. You are the Christ. The Son of God. 
Peter absolutely recognized the Logos manifested in flesh. Look who he was identifying. He wasn't identifying Jesus the Son, man. He was identifying the Logos that was dwelling in him who was absolutely revealing himself, Spirit, Son of God. You are the anointing. You're the Logos, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood, me, my flesh and blood, I did not reveal that to you. But my Father, here's the mystery, who is in heaven. And Brother Bram said, now figure that out, because God was standing there in him at the same time that he said he was in heaven. No wonder the Trinitarians come up with three. Because at the river of Jordan, is this all right? Can I talk to you? At the river of Jordan, we find the man Jesus standing in the water. He's 30 years of age. He's built cabinets, chairs, he's talked, he's slept, he's, a, he's, a, he's a man. At 30 years of age, at his baptism, John, uh, John the Baptist said, I sell a light. Which is the Logos, the pillar of fire that come forth out of God in the beginning. I saw a light, like a dove, coming, taking this abode upon this man. But I heard a voice from heaven. I seen the light come, but I heard a voice from heaven say, Trinitarians say, see, here was the Holy Ghost, here was the Son, and God was in heaven doing the speaking, three persons in the Godhead. Now you got God, which we can't figure out. We got Him in a form that you can see, the becoming God, the becoming God, the mighty God unveiled, incarnated in that vessel, that tabernacle. This is my only begotten created son tabernacle that I'm pleased to dwell in. Now then, that man, that tabernacle, totally submitted to the pillar of fire that was in him, the Logos, is absolutely God veiled in human flesh. Talking to you as an individual. Looks what he said. If he's got a father and a father is another man besides him. If Jesus had a father, and there's your question, did he have a father? Then it had to be another man besides himself. And if we have the Holy Ghost, now here's a tongue twister, you can go a hundred different ways on this. And if we have the Holy Ghost, now remember the Holy Ghost is saying that the very ghost of Jesus come back. Well, I don't know whether the very spirit of Jesus come back. I can't say that. Because remember, Jesus had his own body, his own spirit, and his own soul. Now we know that that soul or that light come in him. Left him in the garden of Gethsemane. 
And that light, which is the Logos, is the one that comes back down on the day of Pentecost and separates himself into 120. The glorified man, now with a glorified body, spirit and soul, is our mediator and intercessor doing a ministry in heaven. And at the end, he takes the book, climbs up on the Father's throne, and the plan of redemption is over. And there's where he sets the day. When he rises from that throne, the Father presents us to him as a chaste virgin, as a promise that God made to him before the foundation of the world. It's the Father. Watch. Then it's not the Holy Ghost. If we have the Holy Ghost, watch. Then it's not the Holy Ghost. Now, Brother Bam is talking as persons and three persons in the Godhead. It's the Father in us in the name of the Holy Ghost. Everybody reading it? Is it up there, I guess? It's the Father in us in the name of the Holy Ghost. Being Pentecostal, we're asked, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Well, my question would be, who can receive the Holy Ghost? According to the Bible, only seed of God can. Sons of God. They're the only ones that can. Only seed can be reborn. Now, what does reborn mean? Does it mean that it changed your soul like the two soul people teach? No. It means the soul that was you was quickened. How? By the officers called fivefold ministry or the prophet that preaches to you your predestinated salvation as sons of God. I'm not trying to get you to change. We're trying to get us to accept who we are as seed of God. Brother Greg, can I walk on water? If you understand who you are, you can do all things. I got a quote in here, Brother Bam said, if you only understand that it's the Holy Ghost in you and always was, you understand why cripples can rise up and walk? And the blind can sit there and their eyes open? It's not something out here. It's an understanding of what's in you. There's a power in you that can absolutely change our mortal bodies to immortality. When the door or that avenue is open to our true identities. Watch now. Then it's not the Holy Ghost. It's the Father in the name of the Holy Ghost. Watch. Using the office in us. Because it was once in a man called the Holy Ghost, or called the Ghost, and comes back, and it's in us now, the same Jehovah God. Amen. Now I can say you believe that, and I would absolutely be diminishing your faith. Will we act on that? Will your mouth open up and confess that? 
we're going to find that your confession is absolutely what releases the authority that was placed in you before the foundation of the world. You have authority and we must take responsibility of who we are and use it. And people are waiting for someone else to demonstrate it for them when it comes down to basically sons and daughters of God. And let's look at this, parents. If any two shall agree as touching any one thing. And the most concern I say that you have as parents, and we'll pick up a thought next week in the lesson, is your concern about your children and the life that they express and where you think they're going. Basically out of church, out of the presence of them. Can you put two male and female together as one and unite those two elements together to create a form that has enough power to agree to bring to pass those things that you desire? Do we? Have we been given the authority to loose on earth what has already been loosed in heaven? Can we as sons and daughters absolutely bind on earth the powers of demonic works, these immoral identity lying devils, bind their influence or the strong men of the house of this hour, and claim our children as our inheritance. And as Job, offer up the right testimony to God. And he will give them to us either here or at the white throne judgment. I say amen, we can. My prayer has been more for your children than mine is for you personally. Because I see you sitting here listening. But we sat here and taught the children, and they've drifted out. So this past week, every time in the prayer closet, my main concern is these. Every child that has been raised under the framework of you parents, they are our inheritance. They are my heritage. They are the sheep of this pasture. P-A-S-T-U-R-E. They're sheep of the fold. As a responsibility, as a little herd yapping dog, and Jesus is our shepherd. Brother Bram said it was a shame for a pastor to lose one sheep. Therefore, if I've got a power, if it's a shame to lose a sheep, God has to give us a power or a revelation or an ability. To be able to come against the powers of darkness and reconcile and call our heritage back into the fold, back into a relationship with the parents, back to a sane mind, and cast this devil of darkness out of the young people in this hour. Hallelujah. I think we ought to praise God that He give us this understanding and revelation. It can be done. That's the reason why I'm looking at this subject. It's life. 
It's a source. It's a, the key to this power. And let's call it this. Brother Bam said, you've seen the power of God in demonstration. But you've never seen the power of God in revelation. We've seen blind eyes open. We've seen miracles. We've seen the power of God in demonstration. But we hadn't seen it yet in revelation. Now we're slowly beginning to see it in our mind's eye. Understanding. Because we can rejoice over the said this morning. But we hadn't seen it yet in physically. Your children are still not here. The problem still hasn't moved as far as we know. But as far as down here. And according to what a vindicated prophet said. I have the authority to take this word. Put it in my mouth. And speak it in the first person. And by revelation. Call it as though it's already done. And if I never doubt in my heart. Or let come out of my mouth. Anything contrary to that. God is obligated, the law of life is obligated to bring to pass that spoken word. Amen. Same Jehovah in us now. So the word son, we didn't get very far this morning. I'll give you too many notes and I promise I won't give you that many next week. This, this is a wonderful, wonderful subject. Uh, let's read some notes real quick now. The word son tells us there had to be a father or a source of life. When you say father, you think life. Father is a source of life that produced the son. In other words, the son could not be his own father, as we read the prophet said. Now, when we speak of the only begotten son called Jesus the man, we're looking at God actually creating a life or a soul of himself. In other words, God birthed forth from himself this pillar of fire called the Logos. Now that Logos, watch the Logos overshadows Mary. And the Logos creates in her womb this life pattern called a sperm gene soul of God. In other words... It was a created spoken word, but it was just exactly the same substance, the same pattern of life, of a natural birth, because God has already spoken. Let's read it. In Genesis 3.15, what did it say? I will put enmity between thee and the woman. That's the serpent now. And the woman. And between thy seed, which is serpent seed, and her seed. Now, we all know a woman does not have a seed, although she is a seed. She doesn't have a seed. But he speaks of her seed. It shall bruise thy head. In other words, the woman's seed shall bruise the head of the serpent seed. And thou shalt bruise his heel. In other words, when the seed comes forth and produces itself in the flesh, we have Jesus, the woman seed. And now we have Judas, the serpent seed. 
Both of them are sons. Two sons. Son of God. Son of perdition. When these two seeds come to a head, in Judas, the seed of the serpent, son of perdition, and Jesus, the woman's seed, the son of God, at the end time, they come to a head of what? A prophetic ministry and the incarnation of the Pope. The Pope will absolutely be the incarnated spirit of Satan. He will be the very expression and life of Satan's own spirit source in the beginning. He will be totally serpent seed. Guess who this bride in the end time is? She is totally the seed of the woman come forth in multiplication Apple to apple, God to God, son to sons. Amen. Root and offspring. Brother Bam said Israel. Root and offspring of David. Hallelujah. Before David and David and after David. I believe, brother. Now here's where your mind can go boink boink. And I put this in here for a reason. Hey, don't, are, are we all right this morning? Give me about 15 more minutes. I'll get through this right here. I believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. Okay, if I take that statement, then I would believe that Jesus was deity. He was God. That's what he says. I believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. Now, he's talking about Jesus, the anointed one, or is he talking about Jesus, the anointing? Is he talking about the only begotten son, or is he talking about the son that was birthed forth of the father called the Logos? I believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. Watch. He was more than a prophet. Now my subject is Jesus the prophet. And Brother Brown said, now he was more than a prophet. And he was. He was more than a good man. Which that's what the Jews teach that he is. He's a good man. Look what Brother Brown said. Now this is 1953. You've got to watch the unfolding process after the seals. He was God. Watch. Enveiled in flesh. God enveiled in flesh. Now what does that mean? You'd have to think about it. He was God enveiled in flesh. Here's the principle from the God from the very beginning to now. God in Christ. God in the Logos. That principle follows all the way through because what? The Father, which is the invisible God, had life in Himself. He produced a Son, which is a light, a Logos. And you have the principle now of seed, life in Himself. The Logos has the life or God in Himself. So now you've got a God that you can't see in a son called the Logos of whom you can see the body. 
Now then you have two. Brother Bell said, let us make man our own image. Now, I got in there. Who was he talking to? He was talking to that little halo of light. Here's my point, and we'll close real quickly. Watch. He was God unveiled in flesh, and Christ reconciled the world to himself. That's the principle from the very beginning. That's who he was. Who he was. Watch. That's the reason you can't have faith, because you don't know who he was. What kind of faith is he talking about? If you follow him all the way through, he's talking about revelational faith. He's talking about authority faith that only comes after Ephesians 1, 15 to 17 when the spirit of wisdom and revelation comes to the knowledge of him. The baptism of the Holy Ghost will not get you there on its own ministry. It takes something else. Another quote, 54. He goes another year. There never was nobody raised from the dead like he was. He proved what he was when he was here on earth. He said he was God. Now, I can show you quotes after quotes where Brother Man said he never called himself God. He never called himself the Son of God. And here he says he, he called himself God. The only way he could call himself God was Jesus, I think he's referring about when Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. If I take that quote of Brother Branham, he's saying that Jesus said he was God. And Jesus never said, as far as Scripture is concerned, that I can find where he said, I, was, I am God. Jesus never said he was God. Jesus only called himself the Son of Man, a prophet sent from God. Jesus called himself a prophet sent from God. Amen. I know that goes boing, boing, boing. He acted like God. He preached like God. He healed like God. He rose from the dead like God. He proved he was God. He was more than a philosopher. He was more than a teacher. He was more than a scholar. He was more than a prophet. He was a prophet, but he was more than a prophet. He was God. Now, you find me a good, dedicated, cold-minded, one single, I don't want to study nothing else, message believer, and you read them that sentence, they close the book up and say, I've done forever, I don't have to read nothing else, Jesus was God, period, I don't care what anybody says. And when you stand up here and try to get, bring forth a revelation of Jesus, the Son of God, only begotten, oh, Brother Gregory preached this, preached that, on and on, error, 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 error. He was more than a prophet. He was God. That's who he was. The people today are limited to him to a good man, to a teacher, to a scholar, to a prophet. Now, that's what they say that I'm doing. He was more than that. He was God himself, our Savior, God made and manifested in the, God manifested in the flesh to take away sin and sickness from the human beings and to redeem us back to God like he was from the beginning. Okay, so what has the prophet told us? If I understand who he was, then that's, if I don't know who he was, that's the reason why we don't have faith, because we don't know who he was. Then he tells us he was God. The reason you don't have faith is because you don't know who he was. Then he turns around and tells you he was God. That's who he was, he said. 
then what is 54? In other words, you can call it seer, a prophet, whatever you want, wish to call it. That's ordained. Boy, it gets quieter and quieter and quieter. How many are totally confused now? Say, God help us, Jesus. Amen. Whatsoever you wish to call it, that's ordained to God. Now, when Jesus was here, he was the king of the seers. He was more than a prophet. He was the son of God. Boing, 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 boing. If you know how to read, you're totally confused now. Because you got a prophet saying he was God, and now you got a prophet saying he was the son of God, and you know to be a son he had to have a father and to keep be the one like you. So we got total confusion. So it requires a revelation. Can we come? We'll stop. But boy, I love this subject. Praise God. I just love it. I love it. I know it's hard on the on the flesh, I know it's hard on the mind, but I, I sure do enjoy it. Well, if I get into that, it would be too long. But I, I, I'll just touch it just a little bit. The 26th verse says, As the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. We know, according to 1 John 5, 7, that the Bible says that there are three that bear record in heaven. Three that bear record. In other words, there's three activities or there's three categories of individuals in heaven. One is the Father. One is the Logos, Word. And one is the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. One like your finger. So Holy Spirit is God. The Father is the same God. The Logos is the same God in another form. You got one God unfolding and becoming flesh. You want to get totally confused, go back and listen to the sermon, Who is this Melchizedek? And see how he brings Jesus down through theophany, through Logos, through thoughts, so on, so on, so on, right on down to human flesh. Read this little story here, right? Just a few minutes. Now, the first man, which I, when he says first man, when he says God, I always think about life source. If I say God, I have a problem keeping up with God, period. So God would be an object of worship. Praise the Lord. Before He becomes an object, there's nothing to worship. So God had to do something to become an object. He had to become. Then He had to create Somebody to recognize him in an object form. And the object has always been that little pillar of fire called the Shekinah glory or the Logos. That pillar of fire that we show the photograph on over and over. 
That pillar of fire is the mystery of God revealed. Because Christ, the anointing, is the mystery of God revealed. Brother Bram said, the first man, speaking of a source of life, you can't see him. We call him God. Second man was a halo. And I put it in parentheses, now call the Logos our word. In the beginning was the word. In other words, in the beginning was the Logos. Logos being interpreted is word. And now he takes a third man and makes him a little white cloud coming over. We can see him. So what do you see? You see the becoming God. Holy Spirit coming down. Watch the titles. And he's all man. In other words, is only the producer, our life source. He's all man. That's the soul of man, eternal then. Your soul is this God, life source, becoming flesh. You and I are the flesh bodies being expressed. You're only expressing a life, a soul in you. Watch. He said, who is God? The one that stood there and rolled off the stars of his hand, rolled off the worlds out of his hand, and made the things which do not appear. Deity. And deity himself lives in a man. The creator that made heavens and earth lives in mankind. No wonder cripples, when you realize that can straighten out, the creator's here. No wonder blind and they can't see opens up. The creator's here. The creator. See, the Bible said, we are sons and daughters of God. Look what the prophet's telling you. He's trying to tell you that you, sitting here this morning, a man or a woman, in you is a soul which is a part of God. You are sons and offsprings of God. His offspring. Now then, we're something like God was. What are you? You're just a little light. Living in this body. When you die, if you are spiritualized, you see a little light leave. And it goes to another body. That body will probably be similar in a light form and take on the form of a man or a woman, which was your image to start with, called the theophany body. Jesus said himself, it is written, you're God's. Written in your law, we become a part of God, a son of God, by adoption through Jesus Christ. In other words, we become quickened. He makes us aware of who we are. See, therefore, if you realize that the very God that made the dirt and the earth and whatever is here is living among men. In other words, that God is here in the form of the pillar of fire. But he's also a part of it that lives in you. He said, where is faith at, friends? Where is faith? Pentecostal faith rests in the prophet. The body is gone. But our Joshua is still here. And our Joshua, which is the revealed word, that light, is communicating to your light, soul to soul, 
communicating himself, causing you to feed on his presence, the body word of the Son of Man, to bring your soul into an understanding of authority that you can take control of this flesh and speak the word of God and know that you have authority over your motions, over your thinking, over the five channels of your spirit, and absolutely come in control of our being because we are little Jesus who forfeit his own will to the will of God. He said, notice all that space out there in the beginning was God. And now we'll watch coming into existence a little white light. We call it like a halo. And that was the Son of God. The Logos that went out of God in the beginning. Amen. We'll stop right there. Because there's where your mystery is. That Logos is the Son of God. That Logos is life. That Logos, a part of it, is in you. You and I, if we could understand it, and I don't, I can't grasp it. You and I are little Logos. Living in a flesh body. You and I are in the image of Jesus, the only begotten Son. The Word of God required human flesh to come to pay the price of our failure, Adam's failure, the first son, to redeem us out of that penalty and bring forth the sons of God that's left in this mixed ball of clay out here that nobody knows. But we got to remember, Eve was the mother of all living. Adam was the father of a line. The serpent was the father of another line. All the way down here to the harvest. When we get down here to understand the seals open to reveal to you the trail of iniquity. The seed of discrepancy, this mistake, this interruption in who you are, comes all the way down now and it revealed to us this discrepancy in this hour and we realize who we are in Christ as sons and daughters of God. That faith coming out of your mouth, it will not happen until you speak it. You can sit here as a son of God and get sick and suffer and everything else. And you have a medicine within yourself to be able to heal thyself. Because God lives in you this morning. You say, well, I don't feel like it. I don't care what you feel. You say, well, I'm not acting like it. Then shame on you and me. Because we have to exercise the will to act out what we are. Now close. I want to give you this little example this morning. I could give you a test. Read the 23rd Psalm. And most of you can quote it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Read the 23rd Psalm. The first thing you do when you get up in the morning. 
after you eat breakfast, read and meditate on the 23rd Psalm again. After you eat dinner, meditate and read the 23rd Psalm again. After supper, read the 23rd Psalm again. And the last thing you do when you go to bed, read the 23rd Psalm again. Do that seven days in a row and see if it doesn't change your life. I'm going to tell you what you're going to face. After the first day, number one, you'll forget it. Number two, you'll think you memorized it. Number three, you'll say, well, it's not doing no good. And number four, you just forget to do it. Very few people, one out of a hundred, can discipline their minds to fulfill that prescription to be able, led by Christ, come to the peace of Christ, rest of the soul, prosperity of life, and everything that that psalm promises. We just can't take God at His Word. There's something in us that just, we don't seem to be able to discipline the flesh to bring it down to the Word of God to establish our sonship here on earth. If you don't believe it, try it. Do that for seven days and watch the transformation that it takes place. I got through one day, but I didn't make it through the second. And my wife, bless her little heart. Well, I memorized that. My Lord is my shepherd. I said, no, I'm not talking about memorizing it. I'm talking about reading it and thinking about it five times a day for seven days in a row and see what it does for you. Amen. Let's stand this morning. You've been a very passive listening, attended audience this morning, which I appreciate very much. But I say and do all this, all this teaching is to what? Bring you to an active faith. I realize that we've got to come now to an active faith in what we have taught as doctrine for 25 or 30 years. It's got to come out and be expressed and to see God in revelational power. That's Ephesians 17 manifested. We have to see and act on the Word of God. So when you hear me say believe, remember I made a mistake. What I'm asking you is act on the Word. Confess the Word. Act on the Word. Be doers of the Word. And watch the Word Go into manifestation. Amen. That's all I'm asking you to do. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, we thank you for your grace to us. We thank you for the word of God that you've brought forth in this hour. We thank you for your great presence here as the great pillar of fire. The great Logos that goes out of your eternal spirit in the beginning. We realize and confess that now are we the sons of God, but it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that you promised when you come and when you appear, we shall be like you. For we shall absolutely see you as you are. We see you as life. We see you as our Father. And we see your Son, Jesus, this great mediator, the great intercessor, the great sacrifice, our substitute, the Lamb of God. We see him as our great big brother that give the price of obedience and basically you rewarded him for the things that he suffered and granted for him to sit on the throne even being the incarnated body of your presence. 
Thank you for your grace. And Lord, we thank you for every soul here. For every young person. We thank you for the limited or the unlimited knowledge of your power that you brought to us. We thank you for every ounce of understanding that you impart into every person's mind and spirit. May you quicken us and bear upon our hearts and minds to meditate upon your grace and your presence. That your word become a living factor in us. Knowing that whatever we ask the Father in this hour, you will grant it to us. Father, we are now claiming for the reconciliation of our inheritance, our family, our children, and our loved ones. To come and be reconciled to ourselves as families. To become and reconciled to your presence. To bring forth a state and a condition of salvation. We ask it in the name of Jesus and we shall have it because you promised us our inheritance. And we ask this and thank you for all things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. What are we saying? Playing him. Your grace and mercy. Anybody require prayer this morning? Would like to pray for us? Would like to come? Anyone else? Just a minute. All things are possible to those that only act on the Word of God. I almost say believe. Amen. Act. How can I act on the Word of God, Brother Gary? Speak. It takes something inside of you to discipline something, to bring the Word out of your mouth. I may not understand and be able to describe the process of the mechanics of what goes on in there. But when you confess the Word of God, that is the Word of God, it's deity coming out of your mouth as seed. And every seed will produce its own kind. It's impossible for it to fail. As long as we hold fast the confession of our faith or the, what the Word says, it will bring it to pass. How many believes that this morning? So let's agree. If any two shall agree, it's touching any one thing. What about a whole congregation agreeing? How many agree with me this morning that we need the release and power of the authority of our soul to really realize who we are as sons and daughters of God? I need revelation more than anything else. But this is the hour for it. Let's pray in our own way and agree with the Father. We lay our hands upon these sisters and we come into agreement with them. And every member of this assembly comes into agreement with the Word of God. My confession is that you are here. A part of you dwells in each one of us. But we also confess that you're here in our midst as the great Holy Spirit, the Father, 
our great Joshua, leading us, teaching us, feeding our souls, leading us to green pastures, and watching over every move that we make. You are the great physician, and you are the power that is within us to heal our own bodies. Therefore, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God that sits upon your throne now, making intercession, we pronounce healing to our sisters, and that you would grant the desires of their heart, and we'll thank you for it, because we know that you'll give it to us as children of God in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Will you act on it? How many believe that prayer will be answered? If it's answered right now, how would you act? That's the question. If that prayer is answered, and it is, how would you act? Think about it. How would you act this morning if you had your answer right now? I think that everything in here that hath breath ought to be able to raise your hands up to the Creator. We come from a source. God is our Creator. He's the source of life. There's not one person in here that can keep your heart beating. There's not one person that can add one minute to your life. Everything that we are and everything that we have comes from the God, our Heavenly Father. Oh. God ruined in mercy. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the revelation of thyself. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. I heard Brother Gregory preaching on the little webcam the other day. I think it was one of these little boys back here. That was, which one is Brother Gregory? Hold up, Brother Gregory. We want to see little Brother Gregory. I am Brother Gregory. I am preaching. Praise God. I thought, Lord, have mercy. We got one coming on. <laughs> Let's take up that. Take up your cross. Let's let's close on that. Just one. Your cross and follow Jesus. Oh, take up your cross. We're almost there, friends. We made it all the way through the wilderness. Every child of God shall be redeemed. Amen. Pay the price. Claim it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, take up your cross. Now, 
Amen. will believe with me for the inheritance. Amen. will believe for the our children. They shall come. They shall be restored. They shall be reconciled. Amen. Be ashamed to say that you know him. One more time. Oh, take up your cross and follow Jesus. Every day. Don't be ashamed to say that you know him. Everybody, everybody's hanging out. Take up your cross. It'll do something for you. Take up your cross. Every day. Turn around and shake hands with somebody this morning, would you? Oh, cow of the cause. They shall all come. Amen. Take up your cross. Oh, take up your cross. Every day. Oh, don't be ashamed to say that you know him. the sons of God. Amen. Out of Jesus. Every day. Come on. Don't be ashamed to say that I know him. Woo! How the cost Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. How many will act on the Word of God with me? How many will open your mouth and declare, I come into agreement. I've always said your husband and wife should be the most perfect example of union of faith that there is. Because the Bible said, if any two shall agree. And if your husband and wife cannot come together to make one in agreement. As touching any one thing. And basically the children is the combination of husband and wife in one element. That child is you in another form. That child is a part of your life and a part of your heritage. That child you took responsibility for the major part of his life. Do you think all of your efforts, your teaching, your concern, your money, and everything else you spent is in vain? I don't think so. Job saw the same thing you've seen. He's seen his children out here rioting. He's seen them partying. He's seen them doing all these things. So what did he do? He offered up a sacrifice for them. What is our sacrifice today? 
You go to this word and know who you are. And begin to declare and decree. You're right in your authority. As sons and daughters of God. Mothers. If life continues you've got a battle. Because you're going to have to teach your children. Because our schools are done. Will they ever open up again as far as we know? I don't know. And I don't know whether we want them renegades teaching our children or not. So teach them how to read the Bible. Quote the Word of God to them. Read the Psalms to them. And they'll learn how to read and they'll understand. Responsibilities up on us. So if God give us children, I think we have a right as parents to claim our children. And God will reward our efforts. And I'm going to put in my mouth exactly what I desire. I decree in the name of Jesus. I will have my inheritance. I will have my children. And I will have my sheep that I've labored over for 30, 40 years. And I won't lose your children either. As a shepherd of God, I declare and claim every soul that's set under this ministry for the glory of God. And we're going to call for it, and I want you to agree with me in prayer. That they will come, and they'll be reconciled to you, and they'll be reconciled to our Father, and they'll be reconciled to the family of God. We don't know what their election in place is. That's up to God. But we know that that demon out there doesn't have a right to drive them totally insane and use them because he doesn't have that power. That power is given to us. Because that Ephesians 17 gives us the authority over every power, principality, and every demon. And remember, they've got to know who they are. What's this great crisis out here? What's this great political? Who are we? What's the identity? Gender and but on and on on and on racism and whatever bull that stuff is out there. I don't know. If you don't know whether you're a man or a woman, something's wrong, mentally wrong. Come and let us cast that devil out of you. But you mean we got millions of people out here don't even know whether they're male or female or what they are? That's total insanity. Then who has the authority to bind that strong man of the house? Outside of the church, there's nobody else left. We have that authority, and I think it's time for us to act on God's Word. You say, what if I don't see something? I'm going to declare it again. And I'm not stupid enough to say Trump's going to be our next president. I don't care who the next president is. I want to see the salvation of these souls and get them on the power of these demons out here. This thing is getting more wicked than anybody can even comprehend. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse until we stand up and let the devil know who we are by speaking the word. You've got to come out of your mouth. I'll say it over and over again, but it is true. God bless you this morning. Thank those that tuned in. We are now sons and daughters of God. And it will appear soon what we are. Because the power of revelation will soon be manifested. Even in a resurrection and a change of our bodies. So God bless you. Study the notes if you desire. And be increased. And we'll see you next Sunday morning if the Lord permits. Amen. Thank you for coming. We love you.